0: today is monday march 6, 2023 this is quick start from cbn news i'm dan andros trump makes a splash at cpac we'll have that top story and more on today's podcast we're bringing news from a christian perspective subscribe leave a rating share it with a friend you can email us quick start podcast cbn.org let's get through the news of the cray together that's what we do here each and every morning at 7 a.m joining me as always billy hallowell tragons phillips with a look at what's coming up what's up fellas Happy Monday. Well, back in the saddle.
1: Yeah. Well,
2: we're we're all together again, and we're living the dream together now. It's not just Trey and I, so this is <laughs> right. exciting. Yes. The uh, three Amigas are back in the dreamland together. Yeah. They're still undefined dreamland, but that's probably for the best.
0: Yep. And uh, I have survived the um, all the dad and three sons without their mother and uh, my daughter for <laughs> for 10 days that was uh
2: only a few scratches yeah it
0: was uh, we barely made it but we did sur- we did survive <laughs> my kids are like we're, we don't have anything to
2: eat dad go to the store i'm
0: like i don't know i don't do this just <laughs> it's called it's called instacart <laughs> yeah. instacart have it delivered yeah
2: <laughs> not a sponsor
0: yeah now hopefully they appreciate mom's <laughs> cooking a little more now after they got dads for uh 10 days so but i digress we're all back we're here we're alive what's coming up on the pod today
1: well we're going to be talking more about new york city mayor eric adams and his
0: comments on the separation of church and state he spoke <laughs> out on sunday and addressed the controversy all right looking forward to that also uh, cpac as i mentioned at the top is uh, was this weekend and uh, cbn's david brody uh, we'll talk about that with madison seals uh, donald trump spoke this weekend and um, obviously obviously, setting the stage for 2024 from the Republican side of things. So we'll have details on that. But first, we are going to head through the news here in 90 seconds. And CPAC did sweep through the D.C. area over the weekend. There's more candidates formally announcing their intentions uh, to go for the White House. Others are inching closer to make an announcement. But the big story over the weekend was... Uh, Donald Trump speaking at the conference on Saturday. Trump said that in 2016, I declared I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Not going to let this happen. You can check out Trump's full comments over at CBNnews.com. And Novak Djokovic will not participate in the BNP Paribas Open this month after the Biden administration denied his entry to the United States due to him being unvaccinated against COVID-19. Djokovic is 35, and he requested a vaccine waiver, which would have allowed him to enter the U.S. unvaccinated, but it was rejected By the Homeland Security Department, Senators Rick Scott and Marco Rubio called on Congress to act to eliminate Biden's, quote, bogus vaccine mandate, end quote. They also pointed out that Biden himself declared the pandemic over back in September. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNews.com. Guys, I found this fascinating when I saw this headline on Djokovic being denied entry into the united states over COVID, i almost thought i saw an old headline from 2021 or something like that it i was shocked that this is still happening uh and particularly with high profile people such as uh, Djokovic. but with biden as uh scott and rubio pointed out declaring the pandemic over why are we still denying people entry for this
1: i don't know i mean i You know what, like I feel like in 20 years we're all going to look back at this and be like, what in the world were we doing? (laughs) Like, what? And, you know, it's like it was one thing when you're in the middle of it not understanding it, but when you look at every other rule and regulation and where we are now to be denying people entry, he's not coming from a a country of concern, right, where where this would even be an issue. I don't know. It's just crazy to me.
2: Yeah. No, I definitely think there's going to be a time when we – Look, I mean I think we're already starting to do that. Most people are already starting to do that and look back and say, eh, "Maybe we overreacted <laughs> by at least a mile, maybe 2, yeah. 3 how you know, whatever." So, I think that's already kind of happening, but yeah, I it, I it there's no sense in which it can compute that we're that we're treating him this way in 2023 what 3 years removed. We know a whole lot more than we did when these kinds of policies were put in place. So why they're still being applied, I think, is bewildering.
0: Yeah, it is very, very bewildering. And there are voices speaking. I mean, Bill Maher, who is obviously a very well-known leftist in his viewpoints, but he's been speaking out against a lot of these things, um, particularly. And he said he's a proponent of the vaccine, but he's just not a fan of how heavy-handed some of some of these moves were. And again, and another headline that popped out is uh, one of the health ministers over in the UK in leaked text messages was talking about how, you know, planning on when they should release the next variant and, and to make it. Um, I think I forget what the exact words were, but it was like frighten the pants off of people so that they'll start, quote, you know, uh, behaving properly and responding properly. And you look at some of this stuff and you just think like you were saying, Billy, we're going to we're going to see we are going to see when the reporting eventually comes out and the politics are safely in the rearview mirror. And you have what I believe is a media that has become hyper political when you have them not worried about any political implications of these revelations. You're going to see more of these revelations. And I think people are going to be shocked at what at what comes to light.
1: I think so, too. And I think people are going to maybe wake up. You know, when you look at polling, a lot of young people, they don't trust institutions. They don't trust companies. They don't trust all these, but they trust the government. Right. And so it makes you wonder, like, at what point do people say, oh, maybe we need to have a healthy skepticism of everything. Right. Including the government.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. No, I think it's odd to me that people don't have that. So we'll
0: see. Yeah, we will. Indeed. And you can keep uh, tabs on that and more over at CBNnews.com. All right. We're going to head into our next story here, and there is an update on New York City Mayor Eric Adams and his church and state comments. So what's what's going on here? What's the latest?
1: Yeah, so he appeared on CNN State of the Union on Sunday with Dana Bash and... You know, it's interesting as he was speaking about this, you know, she started challenging him on it, um, and she asked him a number of questions. She said, "Do you fundamentally believe in the separation of church and state from a governing standpoint?" And his response was no, which is really <laughs> interesting, right? Um, but but he he was trying he's trying to toe the line. Some outlets are saying he appeared to back down, he appeared to walk away from his statements, but but really what he did was he addressed pretty head on um, a number of facets of this. He said no, but then he followed that up with what i believe is that you cannot separate your faith mm. government should not interfere with religion and religion should not interfere with government that was the statement that had people saying oh he backed away but i but i think he's actually talking about two separate things here him as the governor right I mean he's the mayor but in his governing position how he is to behave and respond based on his faith and how government and religion are to interact right those are two separate things actually Um, and so I I didn't necessarily see it as him backing away but but there were a number of things that happened in this interview I mean the first thing that he did at the start of the segment, when Bash noted that people were alarmed, that was the word she used, by his comments at this interfaith breakfast last week, um, he said, let's be clear on something. The last words I said after I was sworn in was, so help me God. On our dollar <laughs> bill we have, in God we trust, every president touched a religious book when they were sworn in except for three. Faith is who I am. So that was the first thing he said. That That part to me does not feel like... He was backing away. He's He was hedging a little bit on some other elements, but that was really interesting mm. to hear.
0: Yeah, don't Listen, Eric, don't tempt the secularists with uh, those comments about, about where God is mentioned right now. Don't tempt him. They're going to be like, what? It's still there? We need to get rid of that. Um, but uh, what do you think was the most interesting part about his responses to, to Dana Bash?
1: Yes, yeah, so there were two things in light of what I just talked about at the end. And this is where I, again, I think people are like, oh, he's backing away. I think he's hedging and trying to get out of the controversy. Yeah. Um, you know, she's like, she's like, well, you just said no when I asked you if you believe in the separation of church and state. That's going to alarm people again. And he said, you know, government should never be in religion. And religion, these are the exact quotes, should never be in government. But he doesn't specify what that exactly means. And I think that's where people are like, oh, he's backing away. But what he said before that, which I think was really interesting, again, differentiating between him being a Christian, right? That's how he identifies whether people think he is or not. Him being a Christian and coming into government and acting based on that and the government compelling people, he said, look, I don't want anybody to take my words to say that I'm going to compel people. He said, I'm not going to compel people to follow my faith. My faith is how I carry out the practices that I do and the policies such as helping people who are homeless. So he's drawing that distinction. But I think that line Government should never be in religion and religion should never be in government. I think what he's saying there is there shouldn't be a theocracy, right? I don't think he's saying there can't be an influence.
0: Right. And that was the intent of the founders from, look, and first of all, separation of church and state is not in the Constitution. It was in a letter from uh, Thomas Jefferson where he talked about that, but... The well, you point, better
1: Tell Dana Bash that. I by know. The way. You better know. let her know. Well,
0: you would think that the way some people talk about separation of church and state that it was like the number one thing written on the Constitution. <laughs> it's an amendment itself. Yeah. Right. Um, guys, before we get started here, let's just make sure we get this clear about just not talking about church ever. Um, clearly, not the case. And what they were talking about, as uh, Eric I think was alluding to there, is you know not having a theocracy, not having exactly what they left. In England, which was a state-run church, <laughs> that's what they were looking to avoid, not anyone ever mentioning God at any point in, in a government role. It's, it's an utterly ridiculous stretch that, that, that critics have, have taken it to at this point. But what do you think, Billy, we can make about these latest claims uh, about, about separation of church and state from Adams?
1: Yeah, no, I think I think it's important. I do think it's a lit it was a little bit of a tempered down. I mean, he said last week, state is the body, church is the heart. I mean, yeah. you can't take the heart out of the body, the body <laughs> dies. When you're saying something like that, you know, I, I think he tempered himself a little bit because he's trying to just get out of this, but but I do think that he drew a really important distinction with his faith right in saying like if you elect me this is who I am it's the totality of the person I am you know, we talked a little bit about this on Friday but you can't I can't root that out of who I am and you shouldn't expect me to this is who you elected that is actually a very important argument and I think it's the strongest argument against these atheists and others who by the way have no problem pushing their personal secularism on everybody else right they don't want to see a Christian in office do the same with their faith and live that <laughs> (laughs) out so yeah i think that's the important piece to me and the part that i sort of walked away saying wow that's i would have never expected that eric adams would be the person giving us this you know gift
0: right yeah (laughs) no and it's uh it's look and i think one of the lessons here for uh eric adams is he's like you said he's trying to seems like he's trying to sort of get out of this thing and wiggle out of any controversy here but the way to do that is to just stick to your beliefs and move on right like just you're never going to appease a mob that's coming after you or the mainstream media that's coming after you on something like this. Like You're, you're just never going to appease them, no matter what you say. So just stick to your beliefs if you believe them, unless you miss, actually misspoke. And just go forward, and that's the best way for these things to simmer. That's the best way to get away from the mob, is to just be firm in your convictions and actually stand tall. And eventually they'll go, oh... Okay, I guess we'll just move on to the next thing to try to yell about, and they'll find another target. And um, but it but it is kind of ironic that we're having someone on the other side of the aisle from where we usually hear these sorts of arguments being made, as you said, Billy, sort of championing. Uh, this <laughs> this idea.
1: Yeah, can yeah. I just add one other thing yeah. in this interview? Sorry, I just want to throw this in. The other thing which we didn't even get into, they also talked about crime and he was basically like, we can all pretend that people aren't concerned about crime and safety, but he said safety is the precursor to prosperity. I think that mm-hmm. was the quote. Um, and he, like, that's another issue he has not backed down on. He's like, look, he was asked about Democrats and you know wh- how some of them think he's hurting the party. And he was like, look, I'm not going to ignore how the public feels on the, on this issue. Anyway, so I thought that was interesting yeah, too
2: indeed yeah and I just I I can't fathom wanting a politician who who believes that they're completely in control and completely sovereign I mean the arrogance that that requires to mm-hmm. think that so I appreciate a, a politician who at least believes that there's a higher power yeah obviously I prefer that they believe in the same God that that we do um, because that's that's the only God but yeah, to think that you're completely in control and, and have, have all all power and all sovereignty and then going into politics, I mean, I'd, that, that doesn't sound like a, a good blend to me. So I would prefer that our politicians be Christians for many reasons, if for nothing else than the fact that they realize, look, I'm just supposed to be a servant of the Lord and then whatever happens is completely in God's hands. Um, so Democrat or Republican, and we, we can have arguments about, it. does Adams really live out faith the way that we think he should be living it out? The fact that he says he's a Christian, that he believes in the Lord, should be an encouragement to all believers.
0: Yeah. And, um, and look, we've talked about this on this podcast many times, but you, there is no neutral. You hear this claim a lot of times, like, oh, you shouldn't be pushing your views on other people. I mean, I saw a headline over the weekend where um, some trans activists or at least proponents of all these um, you know, trans expressions that are happening at schools complaining about Christians. And um, there was, I think it was a school board meeting that had gone viral, and one of the members was saying they were concerned about the anti-LGBT views because this person was Christian in the church they went to and that they can't be pushing these views on people. And I'm thinking, you're sitting here jamming down transgender ideology on school children. And then you have the nerve to sit there and say, we can't have that person over there and their Christian ideas. We wouldn't want stuff being pushed on us and that they can't see that is just utterly incredible to me. Um, but, but everyone's got a view, no matter, no matter what it is, people have a view that, you know, of what they think is right and wrong. And that is their starting point. And, uh, for christians it's no different except we have god at our starting point and um he's an he's an ultimate standard bearer of morality and everything else is sort of shifting sand
1: no absolutely and and i think we need to continue to call that out this is all these free speech things that we've warned about for so long they've all really come to fruition now and so yeah I, i appreciate adams regardless of my agreement or disagreement with him on other issues speaking up on this
0: yep indeed all right Thanks, guys. Appreciate that story. We're going to head to the main thing now. And David Brody is uh, talking CPAC. And there was a competing club for growth event and also the future of the conservative movement. That was his conversation with our own Madison Seals for today's main thing.
3: Conservative activists and elected officials gathered outside of Washington, D.C. last week for the Conservative Political Action Conference known as CPAC. It's an annual event that, for the most part, unifies conservatives around their shared values. But this year, with the first primaries and caucuses less than a year away and a sort of competing convention organized by Club for Growth happening the same weekend in Palm Beach, it's clear that conservatives are in a battle for the future of the party. Here to discuss is our very own chief political analyst, David Brody. David, thanks for joining me today.
4: Anytime, Madison. Good to be here.
3: You were at CPAC on Thursday, which was the second day of the event, I believe. What did you feel the mood of Republicans was going into this year's CPAC, and what were you watching for?
4: Well, I wanted to see how Trumpian it was, and it was very Trumpian. There were Trump signs and Trump decor, and people dressed in you know "Make America Great Again" outfits and. Uh, Trump front row people, all of that. These are the people that line up at his rallies for days beforehand. They were all there. Uh, It was very much a Trump flavor. There's not even a question about it. And You know, it's interesting. You mentioned CPAC being about shared values in the conservative movement. And I think, in essence, that's the debate within the conservative movement right now. Uh, What are those shared values? And And I think right now, as you look at CPAC, when I was there on Thursday, not only was it Trumpian uh, but, you know, not just on Thursday, but on many of the other days, uh, you're just not going to get the Mitt Romneys and the Mitch McConnells and uh, you know even Mike Pence is not there. And there's just some others. So, so this has a populist Trump feel to it. The, the left will call it a far right feel. Uh, I'm not going to use that label because I don't like labels to begin with. Uh, But the bottom line is, is that it was a very interesting, not even mix of people. I think it was pretty much a a populist movement that's taking over the conservative uh, party. And we saw it at CPAC.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There's this survey that came out last month that showed about 28 percent of Republican primary voters are so devoted to the former president that they said they'd support him even if he ran as an independent. And Politico said it's going to be one of really two extremes for Trump at CPAC this year, either that he was poised for a CPAC love fest or a face plant. So I think you kind of answered that. It ended up being a love fest. And he was actually delivering the keynote address on Saturday but since we're pre-taping this interview on Friday, I'll have to ask you how you think that will go, um, which could either be difficult or easy with Trump. You just never know. So, yeah, yeah what do you feel like he, we're going to be his main talking points and what the things that he wanted to hit on most this year? Well, look,
4: I, I think – I don't think there's any question about it. We can pre-tape it or post-tape it. Here's the bottom line. It, it will be a love fest. It is a love fest uh, with Trump. Uh, and the crowd, and, and why is that? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Well, there's a lot of reasons for it. one. It's Trump, and two, the fact that uh, you know he has, in essence, made this party into uh, what the audience wants to hear. Uh, this populist message. You know, we we talk a lot of times about the left versus the right. That's not what this is about. It's not the left versus the right. It's the elites versus the non-elites. And Donald Trump has tapped into that. You know, it's like us against everybody else. And I I think we're seeing a lot of that play out specifically, if I can just delve into this for a moment, Ukraine. I think uh, the situation in Ukraine is a microcosm of what's happening within the broader conservative movement and the Republican Party. You have the neocons, you have the GOP establishment wing of the party who's let's go Ukraine, come on, give them whatever they need. The gravy train financially will never end. And uh, we've got to beat back uh, Putin and Russia. And it's very Ronald Reagan-esque. It's very GOP establishment. That's fine. That's a, that's a wing of the party. But the oxygen, the energy is not – and it has nothing to do with the Ukrainian people. Like everybody supports the Ukrainian people. But the question is what should the U.S. government do? When does the gravy train end – for Ukraine as it relates to money, because remember, this is the America first crowd. They want to see the money spent on American priorities. Now, of course, the GOP establishment wing of the party will say, well, wait a minute, America first and Ukrainian aid is tied together because you can't let Putin run around the world taking over countries. Uh, But anyhow, that's a separate argument. The point simply is, is that that is a microcosm of what's going on. There's a populist anti-Ukrainian aid Portion of the party versus the GOP establishment part of the party. And that in itself is really kind of what's playing writ large as a larger uh, tapestry here within the uh, GOP circles.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. There's quite a list of big names not on the CPAC schedule who are attending Club for Growth's event, including former Vice President Mike Pence, Senator Tim Scott, Christy Noam, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who is headlining this other event, which I think is really. The key to making these seem like competing events, since some consider him Trump's biggest competitor. Even though DeSantis hasn't officially declared his campaign, he seems to be giving every indication that he will run. When do you think that he'll officially declare, and why is he waiting?
4: That's a great question. Uh, my sources are telling me that it'll be June, if and when he announces, and I think it's more when he announces, not if. I mean, I think it's a pretty much a, a, a fait accompli, if you will, that he is going to uh, run for president which can get us into a whole nother podcast between Trump and DeSantis. You'll have to have me back on for that. But uh, look, uh, Club for Growth, you know, this is interesting. This is also one of those schism moments in the party. You know, Club for Growth, uh, anti-tax, you know, pro-freedom type, typical GOP establishment group. Trump calls it a globalist group that, you know, give money to everybody and everything. And so uh, I think the line, the delineation lines are pretty clear here. But look, I, I don't buy into this idea that it's an either or, you know, in other words, CPAC or Club for Growth. I mean, um, Nikki Haley's doing Club for Growth. She's also doing CPAC. So so there's people that are doing both events. So I don't really necessarily see it as competing event. But clearly DeSantis isn't showing up at CPAC uh, because he doesn't want to fuel the fire right now for 2024. He's trying to lay low. And I think eventually uh, he'll have to go mano a mano with Trump. And that's going to be an alpha male showdown for the century. I mean, my gosh, I mean, talk about testosterone. We might as well all just get testosterone injections because that's going to be crazy between the two. But I will say this on DeSantis. okay. I said it was going to be a separate podcast, but I will say one thing about DeSantis. When DeSantis gets in, if he attacks Trump, he better be very, very careful because when you attack Trump, you attack MAGA. And those are the exact people that DeSantis needs to win. So this is a very tricky game of three-dimensional chess. Because here's the truth: Donald Trump has already attacked Ron DeSantis, and these are not. This is nothing. This are Ron De That's that's kids' play right now. Wait till DeSantis gets in. It's going to get much harder and rougher. Then DeSantis, being the alpha male he is, is going to attack Trump. He won't. He he will have to because he can't help himself. And when he does that. How will that turn off MAGA voters? Because when you attack their leader, that's a problem. Yeah, Trump's a big personality, there's no doubt. And a lot of people have called it the cult of Trump. I don't buy it. I I think he's a great vehicle for what's happening. And he's got so much much charisma and he's different and everybody's attracted to that. So he's a vehicle. But the movement is much bigger than Trump. They don't like what he's done on vaccines. They don't like what he's done on Kevin McCarthy. But they'll still stick with him. But they'll push back on him, too. This is much bigger than Donald Trump. This is a populist movement in the conservative party that has gained traction over the years, quite frankly, Madison, ever since the Tea Party movement. That was phase one. Donald Trump is now phase two. And we're seeing a total makeup, a realignment of the Republican Party.
3: That's so interesting. It'll make it even more interesting when we see these other candidates jump into the 2024 presidential race i just want to mention real quick since you brought up uh, nikki haley speaking both at cpac and then at this club for growth event that also this entrepreneur conservative activist vivek ramaswamy i believe Mm. is how you say his name
4: ramaswamy yeah Ramaswamy.
3: ramaswamy yes he's kind of stepped into the ring here um seemingly out of nowhere at least for those who aren't too familiar with kind of what's been going on in the political realm And these two presidential candidates are the only speakers who appeared at both events. So do you think that that says anything significant about how their campaigns will go? I think so.
4: I mean, both have talked about a new generation of leadership. And so I think both are appearing at both conferences because they're trying to reach people in both spheres to kind of bring the party together to, in essence, uh, start some sort of new GOP coalition, and uh, I can tell you. And we already had Nikki Haley on the Seven Hundred Club. We had an exclusive interview with her down in Charleston on the day that she announced. And uh, I just spoke to Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, and we will be airing that next week on the Seven Hundred Club. He is a fascinating candidate, a five hundred million dollars worth of fascination, by the way. He's very rich. He's an anti. He's the anti woke guy, as people will find out. I mean, he in essence wrote the book. Literally wrote the book about being anti-woke. And so uh, he he believes we have a national identity crisis in this country and we have to get back to who we are as Americans. So I think that they are both going to be significant in this field. Do they win? Vivek Ramaswamy, I don't see that happening. Nikki Haley, I think, has a puncher's chance if uh, DeSantis and Trump implode somehow. She could be the last woman standing. So we'll see. But it's going to be an interesting race for sure.
3: Yeah, for sure. And for those listening who haven't checked out those interviews with David and Nikki and Vivek, go to our website to check those out. They're very informative, very interesting. And that's all we have time for today. But David, you gave us lots of things to keep an eye out for. So thank you for your time. Anytime. Thanks, Madison.
0: All right, Madison, thanks so much for that conversation. Really appreciate it. That leaves us with time for one last thing. And we're going to take A look at James 2 today.
2: Yeah, we're looking at James 2.19. It says, you say that you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. I think what a convicting passage that is right to know that even even the demons know who the lord is so just having head knowledge of god is not enough it has to be a heart transformation it has to be lived out cuz james is talking about our faith should compel action yeah uh, and so you know w- we should really be acting and living as people who have been completely redeemed and sanctified by the holy spirit not just with knowledge that god exists
0: yeah that's that that's that double uh, kind of Situation you have going on where yes you know you got to believe in the Lord but then that should result in works of course we we know in James there's also faith without works is dead is in that section as well uh, that portion of the Bible and so yeah it's it's your your works don't save you but there should be works as a result of your faith and um, to point that out like just people who believe and then aren't doers of the word you know even the demons believe that so you're right con- convicting words for sure. Yeah, and it makes me think
1: of the polling that always shows, you know, 63% of Americans are Christian. It's like, yeah, probably not. Um, <laughs> you know, so we can we can say we're something, but unless we're living it out, we're not that thing yeah. we're saying we are. So yep.
0: absolutely. All right, good place to leave it for this Monday edition of the podcast. Uh, as always, you can head over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective and Lord willing in that creek tone rise. We shall be back here tomorrow with more of the same. Good to be back. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. God bless.